Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Ruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It's a special show this week. We are welcoming back a former panelist, and that panelist is Jorna Taylor. Jorna, it is great to have you back. Welcome. Guess who's back. Back. Guess who's back. Back again. (laughs) It's throwback week are we going to have tanya atkinson next? Oh, oh my god yeah, that'd be well, amazing well we yeah. well, we can't have too much comedy in one show <laughs> of course that is robert craig uh the executive director here at citizen action who chimed in robert welcome uh good day everyone so people who've been longtime listeners to the show we've been on for about six years seven <laughs> years now we've lost track jorna was on for geez at least three four yeah, yeah years great panelist but Jorna moved, and so she is no longer with us, and we're fortunate to have Rebecca, who's <laughs> gone this dead. week. She's no longer with <laughs> us. She's no longer with us, um, but moved to, to Door County. And so we're really thrilled to have you this week since Rebecca couldn't be with us. And since the timing is perfect, we want to talk about the special election and what's going on in uh, Senate District 1. That's going to be one of our topics. We're also going to talk a little bit about the governor's race, a whole bunch of other political news We have some issue news around Foxconn, Walker projecting that he will not be having, he'll have zero growth in budgets uh, in his next budget. We'll talk in more detail about that, but we are going to get started by talking about the special election in Senate District 1 and Assembly District 42. We're going to focus on Senate District 1 uh, because huge news this week, Andre Jacques. As a friend of ours calls him, Andre the Jacques. The Jacques. Um, won the special election this Tuesday against Alex Renard, who was essentially the chosen candidate of the Republican establishment. (laughs) And by that, I mean literally the local electeds in the area (laughs) that seem to not like Andre Jacques. Jorna, you now are a local in in this district. Tell us more about this fascinating race and why it presents such a huge opportunity for, for progressives and Democrats. Well, Matt, I think that you hit it right on the head off the bat that Andre the Jacques was not the chosen candidate, including the fact that his assembly colleagues can't stand him and gave money to his opponent. His unknown, young, whippersnapper opponent, um, Alex Renard, was a choice over an established legislator that they refused to work with. In so why is that, Jordan? Give For our listeners who don't know anything about Andre the Jacques, um, and by the way, I watched The Princess Bride last night, so it's very appropriate because Andre the Giant was in Princess Bride. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Tell us why Andre the Jacques, Wisconsin's version, um, is so despised by the leadership of the Republican Party. Well, let's. my, my best example of this is that... Um, Long-time listeners will remember that I have horses. You know, George has got to make an appearance at least once. And there is... Andre the Jacques introduced a piece of legislation about um, sex crimes against animals and increasing the penalties. He couldn't even get it to caucus because they despise him so much. His colleagues wouldn't even sign on. He doesn't play well with others. He's, you know not someone who's known for his legislative prowess. He's, he's difficult. And he's very conservative, very conservative. Someone who's very close to ALEC uh, and a lot of other organizations, but also very socially conservative. This is not someone who's just sort of your run-of-the-mill conservative. He's a very conservative brand of social issues. Robert, I know you have some, some insight into Andre the Jacques, but then we'll get back to talking about the race and the opportunity. 
he's kind of like that um, socially uh, misadapted college Republican you all knew who was just maniacal about moving his uh, his personal right-wing agenda on campus and opposing everything of any value, uh, but is so obnoxious that even the other conservative kids don't like him. That's who, who Andre Jacques is. So he's introduced every imaginable Alec Bill. Uh, he has endless bills. He's in hearings all the time. He virtually lives in the Capitol. And he just is this, this kind of obnoxious far-right guy. This is all he does. It's what he does, he, all, he do, all he does. And this isn't a very right-wing caucus. So to, <laughs> to, to be offensive to, this, the, to the Assembly Republican caucus in this era is really a great testament uh, to Andre Jacques. And so I'm sure the state senators are not looking forward to him possibly winning, but they will pour money in. He was badly outspent and won anyway because I'm sure he does retail politics very well. I'm sure every problem that comes into his office that he, he probably personally deals with him. This is what he does. It's all he does. Yeah, it is worth pointing out that he was outspent badly, uh, Robert said. He spent about 50000 whereas uh, Renard spent about $150,000. And there was independent money <laughs> and independent for Independent money for Renard. Um, but, okay, so this guy works hard. So we're not talking about somebody who's just going to lay down. This isn't going to be easy. But it's huge opportunity because he's so conservative. If we, progressives, get out and really help make sure that folks who are Democrats, progressives, and moderates, women, right, like get out and vote and find out about this gentleman's record, Jorno. So to pivot to a positive for a moment, not just how horrible Andre the Jacques is, uh, Caleb Frostman yeah. is yep. the candidate, in, the progressive candidate in this election now in the special and then in the general committed going forward. And if we look at that district and you look back just about a month ago to the state Supreme Court race, we saw some amazing numbers come out of that district for progressives. Rebecca Dallet won most of those counties, including Door County, and the ones that she lost were by less than 100 vote margins. Like, she lost Calumet by less than 100 votes. She lost Kiwani by less than 100 votes. Those are some really great opportunities to look at. We had the January special election where um, Patty won with, you know, a good margin, and we've got this blue wave momentum going, but this is a special election in the beginning of June. School's getting out, people are starting to talk about summer vacation, so we can't just sit around and take this for granted. We have to keep working, but we have a chance, and if we win this, we get to watch the Scott Walker machine melt down. Well, and I, mm -hmm. we talked about this very briefly last week, and it's why I think it's important. We really want our listeners to get involved in this race. There are going to be plenty of opportunities for you to volunteer from home. Um, we're in the process of moving our endorsement process with some of our members up in the region who live in, in that part of uh, the state. Um, so we'll be completing our endorsement process. But shortly after that, we anticipate uh, doing tremendous amount of uh, work in this race. And you can do that, too. And we're going to have a link on our website where you can just go and sign up your name, and we'll call you once we're prepared to make those calls. But this is a big opportunity because it's the only election, right? There'll be two elections going on that day. And so we have the opportunity to take all of our statewide energy and put it into this race. And it's important because there will be national folks tracking this race. And if we can win this race, it really opens up 
the floodgates for additional resources and continues the narrative that this is a great wave. Robert. So one interesting thing about the election returns is, and just for folks to remember, this is a, a district in the northeast corner of the state that has Brown Door, Manitowoc, Calumet, Adegami, Kewanee counties. And frankly, uh, he got almost Jacques, almost three to one in Manitowoc. He loses this race without Manitowoc County. So it's very interesting. He lost Door County, okay, just for example. So that's very interesting. Yeah. And it, and it, I'm not sure how it plays in the general, but Jacques did not have appeal across the whole district, but he had massive appeal in Manitowoc County, which I assume is underlying his existing assembly district, but he did not seem to travel well uh, in this race. So I don't know, Jorna, any other thoughts, especially as someone living there um, about this uh, race? And then I want to transition into getting some thoughts about some of the other elections coming up since we don't always have you here. I mean, there's going to be a lot of yard signs. There are already starting. There's a lot of barn signs around Door County. Uh, no, I, I just really think if you were looking to get away on vacation for a few days, how about volunteering there you go. on behalf of Caleb Frostman for the state senate district up in the first district? Um, I won't just make you come to Door County. There are other important parts and, of the district, too. And for our right-wing troll listeners, uh, Andre Jacques is an ex excellent option for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, Jorna, that actually, you paint a lovely picture. It in will Door be counties, lovely. Door County and um, uh, uh, Green Bay, Cali... These are very affordable places this yes. time of year to get... Especially early in the season, come yeah. before all the crowds come. I mean, think about it. You could go spend the weekend in Door County and get up on Saturday, go spend three, four hours canvassing, and then go, you know, Hiking, biking, there shopping, you go. This leave sounds, your money. This it's sounds the good. bed and breakfast <laughs> electioneering vacation. I'm totally about that life. <laughs> so that may not appeal to all of our listeners, but to those of you that it does, it's a wonderful opportunity. Jorna will have a travel uh, person working on this very briefly. I we'll, will. We'll have details <laughs> at, at, at the website. Um, so... Again, we mentioned this is uh, SD1, Senate District 1, is not the only uh, election that occurred. There was one in Assembly District 42, and that is Northern Dane, I think some of Columbia County, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's Maybe a little sock. Yeah. So so uh, that, that race will also be occurring on June 12th, and again, SD1 on June 12th. But we got to take a break here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, you're listening to us here at Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We have a special guest panelist with us this week. That is Jorna Taylor. Jorna, for many years, was a panelist on this show, but uh, has returned and is special guesting with us this week. And we're talking a lot about politics. So, Jorna. So, Matt. We had a couple of pieces of news this week. And one is related to uh, Congressional District 1. That is where Paul Ryan stepped down. Who? Paul Ryan, yes. I've heard the name, mm -hmm. but not familiar. And we have uh, two Democrats running, you know, fairly, uh, by comparison to what we've had in this race before, incredibly strong <laughs> campaigns. And, and news this week is that Peter Barca is not going to run. There had been some noise that uh, Peter might be interested in running, but he has decided this week not to run. What are your thoughts on on Congressional District One? This is this is a very very tough seat, but 
It's a tough seat that we have sort of tiptoed around for the past, what, 12 years? Long time. Since it was redistricted. 98. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was 1998, because I remember going down to campaign events for Lydia Spotswood. Yep. So, Jordan's taking us on an important history lesson. This used to be, before redistricting, a Democratic seat. It was very swingy. It would go back and forth, and it included the southern part of Milwaukee. Correct. The city of Milwaukee. It was Les Aspen's district. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Barca briefly. Yep. So, so what do I think? I think that the candidates, the two Democratic candidates who have been in this race for over a year now, um, have have put in the time, the work, the outreach to the voters. They've raised the money. They cleared Paul Ryan out of this field. That's right. So for Peter Barker to come in a couple of months out and say, well, I think that I should run because some people thought so is ridiculous and it really hundreds hundreds called him fine however many called him i think it it really is disingenuous and um an insult to the work that these other two candidates who have committed for the past year to working in this race um have put in and the activists and all of that who have gotten behind this plus he would be the the pro foxconn candidate Ah, we will talk more Foxconn later. Thank you, Robert. Good preview. Of, <laughs> it can't be a week without Foxconn. But it will not to be. It's not to be. It's not, it's to, not be. to be. So I think that's the wise decision. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think he made a, a good decision. And Jordan, everything you said about the work that those candidates have done, I mean, it's just, it, it's encouraging. And we have real legitimate shots in there. Um, actually, on the state level news, uh, Ed Brooks, folks on our Podcast may have never heard of Ed Brooks. But oh, what do you mean? A shining statesman? <laughs> Stop. I always think Legislative about juggernaut. what does Ed Brooks have to say about the issues of the day? Well, actually, I'm going to get into <laughs> one thing Ed Brooks had to say as a parting shot on his way out. But um, Ed Brooks is the state assemblyman from Assembly District 50, which is west of Madison, probably a little bit northwest if you had to look at a map there. Like Richland. <laughs> yeah. Vernon County, he lives in Reedsburg, which is a cute little burg if you've been there. It's a beautiful area out there. There are probably some microbrews there. That's why Robert there knows. Is a, there is a good downtown microbrewery that has it. live music. I knew it's it. true. I knew it. And Robert will be there when we are canvassing <laughs> for the, this now open seat, which, by the way, should be Democratic. This is part of the old Dale Schultz Senate District, and everybody knows our Senate districts have three assembly districts that underlie them, and this is one of them. And this is a seat that should be Democratic, so this is a huge opportunity. It's very noteworthy that he has seen the light, that this is probably not a good time to run for re-election. And we all know if we have an open seat, it's, it's just a lot easier to win since you're not going up against somebody who the voters have uh, pulled, pulled the lever or drawn the mark for. Uh, but... Uh, Robert, you mentioned Ed in his words of wisdom. Mm. Clearly, this was not someone who, as a leader, spoke out. But uh, like a brave lion on his way out the door, he did take shots and say that his constituents would support gas taxes and fee hikes to support roads and basically said that the roads are crumbling, which seems to be part of a message that was being delivered this week by a number of Republicans, including Mark Gottlieb, uh, the former DOT uh, secretary who was, who's for a couple of years now been blasting Walker on the lack of real investments in uh, transportation future. I want to talk a little bit about the governor's race. 
Okay, we're past the line of Reedsburg. We are, we <laughs> are. So, um, but again, we're gonna we're gonna be heavily involved in watching this seat, Assembly District Fifty. It's one of those that we have to win if we're gonna like get control as progressives. Uh, but let's talk about the one seat, right? The governor's race. Uh, we don't have Jorna here every week, and <laughs> Jorna, we have been talking a lot about the governor's race. I'm shocked. Yeah, Citizen Actions. Uh, been heavily vetting these candidates in terms of we've already had two forums. We're going to be having another forum in Milwaukee and in Green Bay. And we had um, a big healthcare one as well. A healthcare one in January. And all the candidates are above average. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Lake Wobegon, yes, but exactly. Citizen Action version. Yes. But, I like it. Right? So crowded, crowded. <laughs> are they all good looking too? <laughs> they are. I will reserve judgment on that, and uh, but I would be curious to hear your thoughts on their oh, looks. Oh, wow. <laughs> That is not how we should judge our elected officials. We need to judge oh, them on their competency oh. to lead our state forward. So, so let's t- let's talk. What are your thoughts? I mean, first of all, overall, oh, right? I have I thoughts. Mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, hey, you know, maybe you have a favorite and someone that you really think is the person who has the best chance. But we'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I think that the debate right now among the top tier candidates is really good for providing a plan and a direction for the state. They're providing actual ideas and not just running against, you know, saying, no, we can't do these things, but they're actually putting forward agendas and they're, they're running on something. And I think that's great. And as we get closer to this August primary and that top tier continues to get smaller and smaller, I think we're going to see some really healthy, robust debate but I also think that for the most part, it's going to stay very above board at each other. And that makes me happy because, as we all know, it's hard to lose a primary. And so I think that for the most part, these candidates are working hard to ensure that on August... I think ah, it's 14th. 14th, thanks. Um, <laughs> to think about they'll that. They'll all be winners. They'll, well, the... That really, it's the voters that come out as winners and the activists who are going to do the hard work then through November that are the winners through that. And so um, that makes me happy. Do I have a favorite? You know, I've got a couple of favorites, but I'm going to keep that to myself. Oh, now. come on. No, come no. on. I've got some that I definitely would not vote okay, for. Okay, let's start there. <laughs> we'll take anything here. We're really into hot takes on this show. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. well. Okay, are there any candidate who is definitely not in the top oh, tier, according to Jorna? Yes. Come or on, candidates. Jorna. You, come on. You, you, are there, what are you, there, 87 of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can Total. say there are two less this week. No, there that's are true. two less. Uh, Bob, um, Bob Harlow, Michelle Dooling, what? and Jeff Rumbaugh have all pulled out, yes. Yeah. And, and, and Crute pulled out. Crute has now, yes, entered an exit. Yes, Crute. Crude apparently exited. Owner of this station that yeah. radio listeners are hearing us on. Apparently assaulted, verbally assaulted uh, Tony Evers uh, this weekend and then exited. I don't, that assault's probably too strong. Okay. Strongly critiqued He's his str- record. Uh, good point. He strongly cr- <laughs> critiqued his record, particularly yeah. on vouchers and charters. Uh, Here, charters in particular. Here's yes. what I would say about candidates that should be <laughs> eligible for the Democratic <laughs> nomination. One, you should have a solid, consistent pro-choice background. You should so also So that eliminates Kathleen Vineout, I would assume. You should also have a solid and consistent um, participation and membership in the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. I assume mm. that eliminates Mike McCabe for so, you. So, you know, that's, I'm just going to start Who from else? there. Who else? I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that definitely we're down to seven, I think, legitimate candidates then. <laughs> 
you know, I, and I, I think there are going to continue to be interesting things that come about all of them, right? But I think we do have some solid candidates, and I think that we have the best opportunity that we've had in a long time to beat Scott Walker. And that's what this is about, is providing a forward vision for Wisconsin that isn't just about how bad Scott Walker is, but really about how we can bring the state back. All right, so a conversation, just to switch from, you know, govs to light govs, as us political hacks like to say, because I have an, an extensive history in light gov races. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I worked for Barbara Lawton in 2002 oh, right. when she first ran for lieutenant governor. I also did a lieutenant governor's race in Vermont, of all things, in 2006. So, you know, it's kind of my wheelhouse. Um, this is not an office to be overlooked, and we have some great candidates running with um, former state representative Mandela Barnes. We have um, businessman Kurt Kober from Sheboygan. We have a candidate, an openly LGBT candidate from out in Eau Claire, um, um, and I believe there's one more that is just escaping me. At any rate, I think that one of the things that I found working for former Lieutenant Governor Barbara Lawton was that this is a person that can really be the party activist, you know, keep the troops together type of uniter. And she was good at that. And she loved going to all of those county party meetings and we went to every dairy breakfast and fair, and we ate our way through it. Um, but this is somebody who can really play a role of uniter coming out of this you know, contentious primary as well. And so I would look to our candidates to really play that role. And I would ask our listeners to take a good look at these candidates because they are extremely qualified and they are out there working hard and nobody's paying attention to them. Well, I think that's legitimate. Yeah, and we'll just have to, I, I'll have to recuse because Mandela Barnes is an officer on our board and a, and a co-op I member for recuse. Citizen Action I like Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes. Go Mandela. A friend of mine. Listen to the other so excellent candidates. Woo, woo, Mandela. <laughs> All right, with that, <laughs> we got to take a break again. We are the Battleground Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And we are really happy today to be joined by Jorna Taylor, our former panelist, who was with us for about four years and uh, has uh, come come back today since Rebecca can't be with us. We look forward to having Rebecca back next week. Thank you for not saying I was dead this time. No, you're not dead. Thank you. No, never dead. Uh, but we've had some great conversations about politics and what's been going on politically. Um, I wanted to talk about just sort of some, I guess you could say more p- news. Um, this week we found out Governor Walker had ordered and is directing all of his state agencies to assume that they will receive no additional state funding in their next budgets, with the exception of K-12 through schools and some basic adjustments to programs like Medicaid. So, and WEDEC. <laughs> yeah. You just want to get me going. You just want to get and, me going. And probably not Foxconn, but he, <laughs> yes, um, he, he, he suggests the agencies explore opportunities to reallocate resources. So the costs of things are not rising, right? No. Inflation not happening? Not familiar with that. Awesome. And he's prioritizing because he's figuring out what should be increased and decreased, what's working and doesn't. No, no, it's across the board. Never mind. Look, Perfect. This makes sense. This is really important, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is because, right, Robert, you mentioned Foxconn. We mentioned some other things. We're talking about a state that has prioritized billions of dollars to a foreign company, right, with very, 
very little. They'll Walker be happy to give billions to domestic attached. companies as well, and then the election year bribe, bribe, uh, per child bribe that you received just before the election. And uh, I don't. there's money for that. But yet there isn't. You, you have to have reproduced in Walker's world. There yeah. isn't any money to actually have a real, forward-looking plan to create opportunity in this state. And I'm talking broadly opportunity that has a real focus on the economy, right, and, and creating the kind of jobs we need. But that, of course, gets you into education. But really thinking about what kind of investments are we going to make in renewable energy? And are we going to make in trying to create an economy that's actually going to operate, you know, in this ecology that we all face over the next 50 years, Or right? healthcare. We have a huge shortage of long-term care workers, right, that people, seniors, people with disabilities need. Where's the investment there? Uh, this requires creative vision. Creative reallocation. I mean, look, if you can come up with $4 billion for Foxconn, game's on, right? It's time for visionary projects. And no answer to Ed Brooks's searing critique that he might want to raise the gas tax just a smidge. So we just talked about the governor's and that they have a lot of ideas. This, to me, is a huge opening for our gubernatorial candidates to start to engage in a conversation about their vision very clearly about how what they would propose would be very different. They don't have to get into the details of every department, but some broad strokes, because he's laid his out there. Jorna? I want to go back to the bribe, because I think that it's such a political year ploy. Now, first of all, I think that I should get $100 for not reproducing. I, I agree. Me too. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Well, you and your Prius, right? Uh, well, we should tax you and the Prius, apparently. Brian and Matt <laughs> right. are getting bribed for their reproduction. All right, you're getting yes. bribed. But, but let's be puzzling. honest. Okay, so it's $100, right? That's not... Uh, yes, that means a lot to a lot of low-income families, and I get that, but it's really, in the scheme of things, not a lot of money. And are people that... I don't want to say dumb, because that's not the word. But are people so easily hoodwinked by such a move that they're like, oh, Walker gave me $100. I guess I'll vote for him. I mean, do they really think that that's, that that's a tactic that works? You know, any of these sort of supposedly economy-stimulating things where the 100 bucks is a night out you know, for dinner or a grocery Let's store bill. put it this way. Uh, I don't know that many people feel that way. It's what Walker thinks of his own voters. Well, right. So think about this. Is not Walker thinks of you. Walker thinks that you'll vote for him if you if he gives you a uh, hundred dollars, two hundred dollars right before the election, and then zeroes out all the budgets uh, for state agencies moving forward. And now you're going to have to pay more for things when their services are cut. So when childcare gets cut because there is a you know zero budget increase for one of those when agencies, your car hits you're a, screwed. When your car hits a Scott hole and you have a $500 repair. Right. So, yeah. the, so this is never about like most of us, right? It's always usually about a very small slice of people or a certain kind of person. This is about somebody who's probably not super engaged, but certainly, as Jorna said, might get, might get the $100. Um, but here's the deal, right? If there isn't an alternative vision about what the hell you're going to do that's fundamentally different that will create opportunity that you're going to take the hundred bucks and be persuaded by it. And so we have to have a real vision that people believe like I would love to have money invested. So my kids not in class sizes over 30, I got to believe that if I vote for this person, that that's actually going to change and it's not just going to be more of the same or less cuts or whatever. Right. So it gets back to the vision thing. If there is an agenda out there that's compelling 
Because his agenda will be around that, right? Like, they're going to take you back to tax and spend. I gave you $100. I cut taxes, right? I invested in all, you know, all the lies. So it gets back to what you were talking about earlier about these gubernatorial candidates, wow. Democrats. we got to have a vision that is different. So the $100 does seem like a joke, ridiculous. Remember the, you know, the, the rhetorical history of the division uh, the thing. That was George Bush Sr., who was not having one. It was like he's... Mr. A student, oh, I need to check that box. So I need a vision. Let's get a vision. Uh, so I don't want that. I want someone who actually has a vision. But let me also suggest to everyone, since everything Scott Walker does is political, even more so in an election year, why does he write this memo? So does he write it because it makes him seem responsible? Oh, I'm zeroing them out. We've got to live within our means. Or does he write it because he fears that the Legislative Fiscal Bureau will at some time during this election come out with horrendous numbers showing that he's created a huge structural deficit. I'm betting on the latter. So I have a I have a proposed platform for our Democratic candidates. One, I think that there should be payments promised to those of us who do not have children. Yes. I do not like this childbearing the, the discrimination. Zero population growth. I got it. I got it. Exactly. I got a fundraising uh, uh, letter from them yesterday. So ZPG will be with you, with you on this proposal. Jordan. Support Robert and I. And <laughs> two, if we promised horses and ponies <laughs> to everyone. Uh, I would stimulate the economy. I know a lot of people who would like ponies. I know a lot of people who would like a pony. Wouldn't we all like a pony? Yeah, we'd yeah. like a pony. I was going to a pony in every pot, or maybe now it's pony and pot. pot. No, 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 no. <laughs> pony and pot. We're pony ri- and pot. Maybe I guess. Don't I, ride your pony and smoke pot. We're riding the pony. We're not cooking the pony. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's the kind of pot you were talking about. Sorry, Robert. I was confused. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and of course, uh, no, one's, no one here is proposing some sort of phony vision, but it's like when these kind of opportunities present themselves, it is a really important time to be able to contrast that vision. So when somebody is taking the $100, they're also taking it like, really? right? Like they get it and they get that. Like when you take yours, Matt? Like when I take mine. No, Uh that that's that's really important, compelling. I wanted to make sure our listeners know that that he's already laying that out. If you hadn't heard this week, so very important that uh, we 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 chat about that. Any other thoughts people have around uh, Walker's budget before we move on? Other than I do want to uh, shout out to 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 uh, Gordon Hintz, obviously getting out front and really blasting uh, Walker's uh, failure to invest in in a future. So I think that that's uh, uh, really important. And thank you for doing that. We need to see a lot of that. Before we go to break, we want to promote our new app. Uh, I think we've talked about it once before on the podcast, but we have not done a very good job of promoting our own app. And we think podcast listeners are the perfect people to actually download the app. So first of all, while you're listening, pull out your phones and you can go to iTunes and you can download, or you can go to the Google Play Store and download the Battleground Wisconsin Pod. No, sorry, the Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Don't even know your own app. Sorry, Citizen Action Wisconsin app, and the podcast is proudly featured on the app in addition to our blog and all of the content. It has direct links to our so Facebook don't have page. To or look on Facebook you know, or your one, email for the latest link. It's, it, it's the latest... Battleground Wisconsin is right there on the front of it. Folks, download this one-stop shopping for everything, all things Citizen Action. And we do produce a lot of content every week, and so that is the best place to find all of our new content. But with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin, and we are Citizen Action. 
Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org and very active on Facebook, Twitter, and download our new app, the Citizen Action app, where you can get all of our content. We are joined by Jorna Taylor, our former panelist here at the Battleground, and she is back to spend the week with us. Jorna, good to, good to have you back after the break. I love that I get an introduction every, every t- break. That's right. We want to make sure everybody knows you're here. Can you, you just here. Like, announce me everywhere I go? Well, Jorna, you know you do have a lot of fans. Um, <laughs> that miss my I used to witty, receive emails commentary. telling me about how they love the Jorna, so I want to make sure that they know if they're coming back from break. So we need to talk a little bit about Foxconn. Um, the Democratic Party... Uh, the, the Democrats in the legislature have been going around holding town halls, which has been great, educating the public about what's going on with Foxconn, making sure people are aware of it, and I think really raising the issue, especially in election year. I think it's very important. But uh, this week it was discovered that the lead developer for Foxconn has, extru- well, first of all, very, very close ties to Governor Walker, but is it basically a major, described as a mega donor. No. Does this surprise <gasps> you, Jorna? Matt, I know. I'm fainting with no. surprise. Oh no! I wish the listeners could see my shocked <laughs> face. It looks kind of like resting bee face. I, I, but like this is, we take this. It, none of this surprises us. But like, this is fundamentally flawed. In fact, we years ago were pushing uh, the opportunity agenda, and one of the fundamental things that we talked about in the opportunity agenda is somebody that donates and is a major influencer in politics should not be a direct beneficiary like this and have these kinds of ties or Robert well you, you don't think Matthew <laughs> that Mr. Hames or Hams or Hamas uh, or I, I didn't oh uh, uh, I, I didn't even try to pronounce um, it <laughs> is not by far the best qualified to develop uh, this wonderful campus and we need to ask whether suicide nets will be included as they are in many other <laughs> Foxconn facilities <laughs> and in, in the Far East <laughs> Uh, you know, it's an amenity, right? You know, you could have, uh, you know, automatic stopping devices, safety devices, and cars. Well, you know, suicide nets are, you know, <laughs> needed element for for the good smart smart benefit package. Our, our producer Brian says. So, I mean, you know, this is Walker's Wisconsin, folks, and it's just it. We're back to the 19th century. This is literally like you know. Uh, the robber barons stuffing their pockets at the public trough. How else can you describe this? When you have over $4 billion in public money going in and then a mega donor to Scott Walker gets the development contract. And I, we, I'm interested how the compounds where workers could, can live or what they're going to look like. And uh, <laughs> Lots of flat screens, Robert. And the other thing I'll say before Jorna weighs in here is, is that this scares me further. It's my prediction, and I... I don't know if I'll announce this. I may have to boycott this if it happens, the arena, that they haven't sold naming rights at New Bucks Arena oh, yet. So oh, oh. is it going to be Foxconn Arena, oh. given that Mr. Hames or Hobbs no. or whatever he is is a, is, a, is a partial owner of the Bucks? Oh. All right. So oh, I'm, I'm getting sick. Sorry, Jorna. Please. All right. So here's what I think about this. Look, maybe this gentleman is the most qualified to build it, right? He's I the, mean, there is a chance. He's the bestest. <laughs> well, but I mean, maybe he is. But in politics, things are about optics. And oftentimes, we all sitting at this table 
do things to avoid the look of bad optics, to not receive bad press. But Walker and his cronies, they just don't care. They do not care. They just see that opportunity and they're like, yeah, bring it on. They're like cheerleader, that cheerleading movie. It is brought in. So, <laughs> you know, so they don't, they don't care about any sort of level of impropriety or perception of it. And that is just so stunning to me that they can just get away with this time after time. And yet there are no repercussions ever. So since we talk extensive Foxconn, we'll just put them on pause. And so we can put them back on blast next week when the next ridiculous news comes out. But Again, want to really encourage uh, gubernatorial candidates and other candidates to really use this issue. I mean, I, I think between this, this and what Walker just proposed, you have a perfect narrative for what, how, how to be talking about your vision, no matter what your vision is. So uh, really critical. And I have one other pitch for Mr. Hames or Homs, and that is maybe you should return to that proposal about the autonomous car lane that's only for Foxconn employees given that the autonomous cars are tending to run people over right now across the country. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's not funny. Oh, no, it's not. We will stop laughing now. So uh, we're going to actually switch gears just a little bit and talk about some, some federal news. And this is not something we talk a lot about, but look, the reality is um, citizen action. We're, we're heavily involved in the internets and in social media. A series of tubes? Well, look, you know, and so net neutrality is a big issue. And there was some major news this week. And that was that the Senate voted to essentially bring back the net neutrality rules. And as of today, we record Thursday morning. Um, the House, there's an effort in the House to essentially do the same. And um, what's going on is they're, they're using, uh, you know, some, I guess you could say maneuvers to essentially force a vote uh, using an obscure legislative tool uh, that in, in, in Congress that would allow them to do this. And so there's no expectation that this is going to pass in the House, but we really want our listeners to, first of all, I'm gonna, we're going to have uh, some articles that will talk more about this because there's no way we can do net neutrality justice in, in, in a short time. But please read up on it. It's very important. And contact your congressperson, uh, in particularly House, right, since the Senate has already uh, moved on this, and ask them whether they're going to support this. And particularly if you have Republicans, this is an issue that is incredibly unpop. you know, that what was done by the Trump administration uh, that possibly puts this at risk was incredibly unpopular. So it is something that uh, Republican House members should be hearing about. Um, Jorna or Robert, I don't know if you have anything you want to add on this. I was just going to snark that, you know, the Trump administration did something unpopular. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> something unpopular just to help big corporations and to disadvantage average people. So the government literally creates the Internet through our university system, and it's this great democratic flow of information. It is often allowed uh, people in small uh, small groups to have an outsized influence based on merit, right? Actually saying something people care about. And now we're going to sell it off to big corporate America, right? And the Russians. And it's so unpopular that people know what the word net neutrality means. That's right. It's not exactly great branding, right? But mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about words is words can become potent 
even when they're designed not to be. Think of pre-existing conditions, which is a insurance bureaucrat word to deny saying we're, we're cutting people off who are sick, but now it is like a slur, right? Pre-existing conditions. Same with net neutrality now, or if, if what's the opposite of net neutrality? Uh, net non-neutrality or net, net sell-off uh, to the biggest corporations. Pay for play. Who then literally will set it up so you only see things from Amazon. You only see things from, from the biggest corporations. You only get your news from Foxconn, et cetera. <laughs> the right? Foxconn News Network. Well, no, I mean, that's what I this like is that. about, right? Or Fox News. See the Fox problem. The Fox I, Con I like the News animal Network. Fox. What has been the, the, the animals has been slurred. Spe- by these speaking of names. speaking of animals, I don't want to yeah. digress the show here, but um, did anybody see that the president of the United States called humans animals? <laughs> no, I missed he, that. He term. called he called undocumented immigrants. Oh boy, animals. And how when folks get deported and when they cross the border again to be reunited with their families and for their family-sustaining jobs, he called them animals. He is a despicable, dehumanizing monster. I'm taking it in the context. Was this a tweet of the tweet? No, he said this in an actual meeting. Within the context of the fine presentation by the commander-in-chief that he must have been simply... Talking about the science of it, that we're all animals. and, and yeah, 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 Robert. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, That's right. exactly yeah. <laughs> He was giving a rhetorical um, yeah. educational lesson. A so, biology lesson. Yes. So, so to wrap up on the net neutrality, if you don't have time to dive into it, you basically, and you want to call your, your house member, just ask them whether they're going to sign the discharge petition, and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. So, And it, the, the general view is, is that the Senate was able to pull this off with three Republican votes, but that the delightful current status of the House of Representatives makes it nearly impossible there. So let Gallagher. Representative Growthman and Representative Gallagher, Gallagher, right? I mean, and Representative Duffy. Yeah, these uh, these hear are the these are the kind yes. of fo- these are exactly the kind of folks who actually could and should be persuaded on something like this. So, folks, please call call them, let them know, tell them to sign the discharge petition. With that, Jorna, Matt, it's been great having you. It's been great to be here. You know, the one thing you didn't do that I was hoping was you that you, you called him the president. Uh, you used to have a great nickname. We haven't heard it on the podcast in a while, either his orangeness oh, or yeah. <laughs> Cheeto. You've moved off it. You're now just calling yeah. anyways. Well, it's been great to his have you jerk back. Face. His jerk face. Mm. It's been great. It's been great to have you back. And we really appreciate you uh, joining us again. And, and of course, we really appreciate that you spent a number of years on the show and uh, I want to thank you for that, and thank you for I coming miss back. Miss you all. Yeah. Well, Door County is a beautiful place to it's be. A beautiful place. With that, we got to wrap up this podcast. We want to thank our producer Brian Wildridge, who makes it happen every week. And of course, thank you, Jonah Taylor. And we'll see you next week. At the Battleground, Wisconsin.